Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host, Richard Pereiro, and joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys, how's it been going for you from since we last met uh, last week? It's going pretty well. Um, like you brought up before we started, you know, not as many topics to talk about within FAU sports and national sports. You know, we're kind of getting to the playoff environment of things. So fewer games um, to touch on, but I guess we can take a deeper dive into some of the things that have been going on so we get some in-depth insight into what's been happening. Yeah, no, I'm doing well. I uh, hope you guys are too. Um, yeah, you guys hit it. Uh, not too much going on, but there's we got FAU baseball and um, some national news to get to, so I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, for our only topic from FEU Sports, we will have FEU Baseball to talk about. Um, still up and down. Uh, the best way to describe this uh, is up and down. Um, last Wednesday, they took on the 17th-ranked Miami Hurricanes and got their second win in their season series against them. Uh, after being down for most of the game, uh, a great rally to... Uh, in the eighth and ninth innings, allowed FEU to force extra innings. And before you know it, they walked off with the victory, a 7-6 win over the Hurricanes. And it, it was an inspiring win. I, I really enjoyed watching them come all the way back. And Jalen DeBose had a, a massive home run to tie the game and force extra innings. So uh, a great win for them. But unfortunately, they weren't able to keep up that momentum going to Bowling Green as they got swept in their three-game series against Western Kentucky. Um, the first two games, they had pretty good leads. Um, and then the Hilltoppers just came back in both of them. The second one being more egregious because FEU had a 7-1 lead for a good chunk of the game. And then Western Kentucky came back again. And they were unable to do much in the series finale, which resulted in them getting swept, as I said earlier. So what are your thoughts on how the Owls were this past week? Well, doubleheaders are always uh, tough to manage just because, you know, you don't have any time off to kind of regroup or reassess where you went wrong. And it's especially hard when you're facing a team that's already beaten you before. So, you know, to already mount one comeback in the first game of the doubleheader, especially when we had already had not a considerable lead, but, you know, a good enough one, especially with our ace Cooley on the mound. Or no, he worked in relief, excuse me. But um, for him to be taken out and then they kind of took advantage of that, you know, that it just kind of hurts, you know, it's salt in the wound at that point, you know, you feel like you had the game in your hands and it slipped by you. And then for game two, you know, you do what you had to do out of the gate. You thought you had everything right, but you know, scrappy teams are going to find a way to put things together. And that's what, w that's what uh, Western Kentucky did, you know, despite our lead, they just found a way to get men on um, move station to station and get runs in. And they just kind of kept the flow of that going. And you just got to give credit where credit's due. You know, it. I wouldn't say there's much to do differently um, other than just try to find ways out of certain situations. But, you know, that comes with trial and error. You know, you got to find the right guys to put in the, in the situations that you think will do you the best. And we just didn't figure it out this series, and that's fine. Um, you know, like I said, got to give the credit to Western Kentucky. They did what they had to do this series, and then, the third game, you know, after you already lost the doubleheader, it's really hard to turn around and try to take one away. So, um, you know, I'd say the biggest thing is all three games are uh, close. 
So, you know, it's not like you weren't in them at any point. You just know that you have to do something a little bit different next time around. So hopefully moving forward, um, they learn from their mistakes and these next upcoming series will be a good test for them because they'll get to, they'll get a chance to prove if they've really learned from it or we'll be able to put the past behind them. Yeah, no, it's always, it's always tough to get swept in kind of like the, the fashion that they, they lost. And like you guys said, they had a comfortable lead both in first game of the series and then um, that doubleheader and they like just couldn't work out of situations. Um, and that, that, been like a kind of recurring theme uh, a little bit throughout the season um just taking advantage of the situations both with like kind of like the bullpen uh trying to get out of these bases loaded runners on first and second scoring position whatever it is these jams um figuring out ways to get out of that situation um and then same thing on like with the flip side on the offense like figuring out ways to get runners across not leaving um leaving opportunities, leaving runners on base. Um, it's, it, that's, these have been like recurring themes and they kind of showed up again. Um, it, that is tough going to 14 innings after playing in the second game after playing um, an entire game earlier before that. So I'm sure that contributed kind of like the collapse a little bit in um, that second game, but this is like, this, this is a good team, Western Kentucky is. They're scrappy team, like you said, so you can't get – you're not going to worry too much about that. And looking at kind of ahead a little bit, um, a win against Miami tomorrow – or, excuse me, today, um, That it, besides that, the fact they just need to win baseball games, um, winning the series against Miami um, is, is just a huge morale booster. Like, it's this is – we play Miami every year, and, and – they, they kind of like hold that series. It's like something like or 22 and 70 all the time against uh, Miami. So taking the a series victory three to one against a top 25 ranked team um, at this point in the year, maybe like that kind of kick they need as we're kind of looking towards the tournament. So um, a big, it's, a, it's a big game tomorrow. And I think winning that game can do a lot for um an FAU team that just kind of just needs something to latch on to, I feel like, right now. Yeah, it really hasn't been – besides the win against Miami, it really hasn't been a good stretch for FAU having lost six of their last seven, which includes back-to-back sweeps and conference play. So, yeah, it hasn't been very pleasant. Um, they have a 23-18 and 18 overall record, 7-11 in conference play, and they're currently on a three-game winning streak – three-game losing streak due to the – series sweep uh, to West Kentucky. And as you mentioned, Cameron, as of the time of this recording, it's currently Tuesday afternoon. And a couple of hours from now, they'll be taking on Miami, who is now ranked 16th in the country, moved up the spot from last week uh, at 6 p.m. in Coral Gables. So this is a pretty good chance for FU to win a season series against Miami, which they haven't done since 2018. So it would definitely be a huge confidence booster for them to to clinch a seat to win the series tiebreaker against the Canes. And after, after Miami, they play their in-state rivals, their team down, the team down south in FIU. They'll be hosting FIU from Friday to Sunday, from April 28th to April 30th. Um, so, so our fans, be sure to go out to FE Baseball Stadium to cheer them on, to take down your rivals, and wish them the best of luck because they're, they, really need it right now if they're going to end conference play on a very good note uh, as the season winds down. 
And with that, that will conclude our time with FE Sports. Now we head on to national sports, and we're going to start off with the NBA playoffs. <laughs> we are starting to see chaos, especially from last night, um, <laughs> with the eighth seed in Miami Heat taking a 3-1 lead against the, once the top seed in Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. Thanks to amazing heroics from Jimmy Butler, who decided to wake up and drop 56 on Giannis and the Bucks. So, and not to mention, of course, the Lakers, which we'll get into all about them in a bit. But we want to take a f- first take a look at Miami and how they've been able to just stretch this type of success against Milwaukee throughout the series. And now they're just one game away from pulling off a, an incredible upset. So, what do you guys think of how Miami did? in this in in the series so far well for the most part i feel like the series has kind of been just swept under the rug you know despite miami holding a 3-1 lead i think a lot of experts still have the bucks winning in seven surprisingly considering how well the heat have been able to manage um the bucks thus far now i know Giannis has missed some time with his back contusion or whatnot so you know he hasn't been there entirely but you know at the same time i just feel like miami's played this perfectly you know Bam Adebayo has done his part into managing Giannis um to the best of his ability you know he's a great interior defender and you know Jimmy Butler Jimmy Buckets as everyone calls him he's he's a dog like night and night out he's gonna give uh this team 100 and playoff Jimmy is just a different breed like I don't really know what it is about him he just feels like he's at his best when the games mean the most and we're seeing it I mean to have 56 points against this Bucks team like that's no easy feat and the fact that he was able to pull that off and is probably going to be expected to turn around and do it again you know next game it's just it's kind of shows you where or high how highly he's held within that heat culture um i guess the last thing i'll say about it is if the heat do want to make a run and i don't just mean past the series but deeper into the playoffs they just have to do their best at keeping jimmy healthy because i feel like he's i'm not going to go as far as saying he's a one-man show but like if he were to go down, like, I don't see them winning in the, like any series past this point. Like he is the key to their success. Um, I think Jay Crowder alluded to it uh, on a show on point, like their success relies in his health. So they got to do whatever they can to, if they do get him off the court, manage games a little better. And when he's on the court, take full advantage of his arsenal because he is playing his best basketball right now. And it's a pleasure for everyone watching. Yeah, no doubt. It was the Jimmy Butler show last night. That was one of the craziest, best performances. And I think anyone's probably seen in a while. That that, that was amazing to watch. Um, but, yeah, I I'm, I was one of the ones I thought the Bucks, the Bucks series to lose. Um, but even, like, like you said, um, Zach, that it's Jimmy's kind of kind of sometimes seems like he's working by himself. I thought they, at least last night, it seemed more of like a team effort. Uh, there was one or two or three times um, big threes late in that late in that game last night to keep them in. So even with like the uh, 56 point um, Jimmy Butler performance, they, he needed some of those like moments from the rest of his team. Um, but you, you're kind of exactly right. If say something happens to Jimmy Butler, it, I, Miami might be, cooked you know um but as long as they have him and he's kind of just being playoff jimmy this is like what he every year he comes alive in the playoffs um they kind of might be able to compete with anybody 
I don't want to say like best team in the East. They're not, but if they can compete with Giannis and Drew Holiday and a really, 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 really good Bucks team that kind of coasted almost like through the regular season, they'll be able to compete with anybody. Just as long as Jimmy can keep, he's not going to keep putting up 56 performances, but as long as he can keep this playoff Jimmy stretch for as long as they're in there, they can compete with anybody, it seems like. Yeah, um, my original prediction for this series was Bucks and six. I knew that Miami was never going to get swept, unlike some people will like to say. Uh, it's one of the coldest takes I would ever see when it comes to this postseason. Like, Miami was never going to get swept, and that's because of Jimmy Butler. What I didn't expect was the Bucks getting a, a bit of injuries because of with Giannis being out for a good portion of it. Uh, Jimmy, Miami taking advantage of it, even though they suffered some injuries of their own. Uh, 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 best of luck to Victor Oladipo with his recovery after uh, uh, after having that season-ending injury to his uh, patellar tendon, I think it was. But yeah, um, but yeah, best of luck to him in terms of recovery and for Miami to just keep on going, like to keep persevering against a very good Buck squad who had a a career night from Brooke Lopez. He had the most points on the team with, he had like 36, like he had something around, he had over 35 points. And that's a throwback performance, Brooke, Brooke Lopez. You're not going to see a performance like that uh, from him for quite a while since he's not, since, we, since he doesn't usually average 30 a game. It's usually like 10 to 20, uh, give or take. But Miami's done a great job and we'll see if they can pull off the upset uh, Wednesday tomorrow night, um, which is actually going to be uh, my birthday. Um, so, turning 22, Miami's playing. Uh, the Lakers are playing, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a very fun time for me it's, it's, as I turn 22. Um, and speaking of the Lakers, we'll head on to the Lakers and Grizzlies series. And um, I'll say this: nothing ever beats the original trash talk when it comes to LeBron and trash talkers. Um, he met his original with Lance Stevenson when the Miami and Indiana went at it during 2013, 2014. Well, 2012 to 2014, actually. But, when, but Lance Stevenson was the original with trash talker and he was actually pretty good. Dylan Brooks, on the other hand, exactly. This is not the trash talking we were... <laughs> This is not this is the trash the trash talk that does not get backed up and actually gets dunked on literally by LeBron James. Especially with his 2020 performance with over 20 points and over 20 rebounds as the Lakers go up 3-1 on the two-seeded Memphis Grizzlies. The Lakers are a false seven seed, and we completely understand that. If they had this squad that they have right now, they'd be a much higher seed than they were uh, to start the season. But the Lakers have done a great job just, just pulling through, persevering through the tough, uh, tough times that Memphis would give them throughout the course of the games, throughout each course of the throughout the course of the games so far in this series. And LeBron's just shown that no matter what, even, he, even as he gets older, he's not gonna stop. And he proved that when he just basically told Dylan Brooks to sit down and get in the weight room. And then near the end of the game, getting that and one and just flexing to the crowd, screaming, no. Um, but yeah, uh, what do you guys think of how the Lakers have done so far against the Grizzlies? Just 
just giving them the, probably the hardest time in their lives as we, we, we could assume that the expectations are getting to the Grizzlies mentally. Well, you know, I think Dylan Brooks um, in the most unexpected fashion just attempted to become public enemy number one. You know, I've never heard anyone in my life say I don't respect anyone until they give me 40 despite not once in your career ever surpassing, I think, a 30 ball. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, I dream big, I guess. Um, and you know, it, it, it was just kind of mind blowing that like, I, I had the Lakers winning the series anyway, but just after those comments, you know, why put a target on your back? Like you're already the better seed. Like you don't need to add any extra fuel to the fire. Like the dude's 38, like he could probably beat you when he's 45 too, but like he's 38, like you, you really don't need to like do any more than you already were. And you know, the fact that he's tacking on ejections because he can't keep his hands to himself. The fact that, you know, he's <laughs> a smaller defender and just cannot guard up to a bigger, better athlete. Like, it's just kind of a joke. And, you know, it. I feel like it's more angering because this is a really quality team in Memphis. I know they have some injuries on their roster that are kind of hindering them. I know Jaw's dealing with the wrist, but it's kind of hard to say that when he went that there and dropped, what, like 45 plus given his injury. So it's not like, He's like extremely hindered in his performing abilities, but I don't know. I just feel like the Lakers overall have what it takes to win this game. You know, they are not the game, but the series overall, I, I don't really see anything that Memphis can bring to the table from here on out. That's going to be like a surprise. Um, it's more just so about like making sure you can handle John Morant keep Jaron Jackson check, keep the role players in check and, you know, let, let Dylan Brooks run his mouth. Cause at this point, it just seems to be like he's shooting himself in the foot at this point. I mean, it is entertaining. Don't get me wrong. It creates storylines for us to talk about, but at the same time, like it, if he could at least back it up, like if he dropped like a 20 point performance, I'd be like, all right, this is worth entertaining, but you scored like six points on 13 shots. Like, and he scored double digits last night, but he had uh, a moment in the game where he got blocked by Anthony Davis and then uh, not a not a bit later, he airballs a corner three badly. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I really don't get it. Um, I guess some people would feel like they perform better when they have a target on the back or like if they're perceived as hated. But, you know, he's not proving it to me. And I don't think he's proving it to anyone else. Um, but I guess that's one, made, one way to be remembered in history because when you go back and talk about sports and you think about some of the antagonists in the sport be like, oh, you remember that random stretch of one year where Dylan Brooks decided to open his mouth and become the most unlikable basketball player to step foot on a court? And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then you will never talk about him again. I think the dude has, like, I remember they put up a graphic and it was like LeBron's resume against um, Dylan Brooks. And it was like, oh, 5,000 points, two-year all-time NBA scoring leader, zero finals appearances compared to like 10, like it – it was just like a slap in the face of Dylan Brooks. And I just thought it was so funny because I was like, we didn't need to go there. Like, we don't need to state the obvious, but it's still kind of funny to see that if you're willing to get petty, like as a professional organization, they can be petty back. So it, it's good to see that that side comes out during the playoffs. Um, as, far as, as far as Dylan Brooks, I'm not mad at him for like talking trash. Talking trash is good and cool. Talking shit, that, that's true. It's not, but it's not cool whenever you say, like, something really out of pocket like that, like, oh, I don't care, he's old. And then you kind of just field one of, like, not 
worst per, like playoff performances after talking like that. Um, and not only that, kind of just the the way he went out with hitting him in the groin. That that's not good. If you're going, if you're gonna talk like that, you you have to you have to perform better than that. Um, but looking at last night, um, it's it was just kind of like a, a classic LeBron moment, him taking over in that towards the end like that. And I don't they, I don't think the Lakers exactly won how they like want wanted exactly to win how that like um, in game one where they're you know getting contributions from dang near everybody in the rotation it would, I want to say um it was Reeves that led him points really but I think oh it was last night that it was, uh for the first game yes it was Reeves no, no no I'm saying last night um Austin Reeves led if I'm not mistaken that's Austin Reeves anyway good. he had 20 plus points and D'Angelo Russell before he fouled out he had three consecutive mm-hmm. three-pointers that really right. helped to force overtime. So, you know. Right. Uh, it's, uh, like like you guys said, it just seems like at this point the, the Grizzlies are outmatched, which I wouldn't have been able to, like, call saying with them coming in as the two. But, um, yeah, I, the Lakers have done great. Um, just like they have been. They were the number – like, since the trade deadline, they were the number one defensive team, I want to say, coming into the playoffs. And, you know, they're kind of playing like it. They're playing great, so – they look good. Yeah. Um, at this rate, could be Lakers in five or Lakers in six, as uh, as that is my prediction, uh, when this series – before the series started. So we'll see if the Lakers can close out early or on par with the six games. And for the rest of the playoff picture, the Celtics, um, they play today tonight against the Hawks. DeJounte Murray suspended after pushing a ref – after the game ended and yeah it's tough luck for Atlanta um I don't really see much uh hope for them without DeJounte Murray and it's just a one-man show with Trey Young and occasional contributions from uh Clint Capella and Bogdan Bogdanovich uh I think this might be the end of the road for Atlanta and the Nuggets and T-Wolves well a good win for them to force in a good overtime for them in game four to force game five, but uh, they really disappointed, but that's kind of been how they were this season. Disappointing, especially after making all the big moves to get Rudy Gobert there to have somebody there inside to defend Wildcat uh, roams around the perimeter with his great three, great shot, great three pointer shot. And then but yeah, it's I don't see much else to see from the from the T Wolves as I think it might be over after tonight. Anthony Edwards has been fun to watch though. I will yeah, say that. Definitely. Two, yeah, definitely two, been two of his best performances of his career probably back to back. So that was and he's kind of like the only reason it's like been even a series. So he's been fun to watch, but other than that. Yeah, and the Clippers and Suns. It could have been a great series. Uh, shout out to Russ. He really, he's really redeeming himself in this series, taking on Kevin Durant and their alleged super team that is the Suns, an aging one really because Kevin Durant and CP3 are well in their thirties, especially Chris Paul, who might be, who might be looking at the twilight end of his career. But yeah, uh, the Suns going up three one against the injured Clippers squad without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who is who the latter who is out for tonight. So the Clippers might see their postseason and pretty early. And it's just very disappointing 
because we've seen all the expectations put on them when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard came to the Clippers uh, like championship aspirations. And all they have to show for it is one conference finals appearance. And it was only Paul George who got to play in the conference finals because Kawhi mm-hmm. tore his ACL in 2021. So it's, a, it's, just, it's just really unfortunate for the Clippers. And to see them end their postseason early when I thought they could have pulled off an upset were if Kawhi were to stay healthy, which it's pretty clear that he kind of can't despite the load management throughout the course of the season. It, it's just, you just hate to see it. It's, it, it's just not, it just under, underwhelms a, a hype, the hype of a playoff series, especially when you think of the Clippers and Suns at full strength. Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi on one side, and then you have the big four with the Suns and the other. It, would, it could have been a very good series, and to see that not really come to fruition because of injuries, it just... Yeah, uh, I feel like every year we have that one story with a team. Uh, it just feels like there's always someone someone or some team that just can't find a way to get healthy uh, come playoff time, and they're just missing that one piece. And then, you know, maybe that's the one year they save up all their assets and resources to kind of make a playoff push, and it doesn't end up working out, and you may not see that same roster uh, come this time around next year. I will say this about the Timberwolves, because the more that I see them, the more I dislike them. Now, I'm a huge fan of Anthony Edwards. I think he is the future there. I think he has some small fixes in his game or steps that he needs to make in order to become a bona fide star in this league. Um, I think that is well within his grasp. What I don't see happening, though, is Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert ever being a solidified big man duo. I think these guys are the worst good players I've ever seen step on a court. I've never seen a center get as exposed as Rudy Gobert in my entire life. I think he's a glorified rebounder. That's just really tall. But, hey, that that's just me. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns, you know, I just wish he would play like his size indicates. It seems like he feels like he's the smaller man out there. Like he gets pushed around by like forwards. It seems like like he just doesn't play bully ball like you may see like Embiid or some of these other guys do. And Embiid does flop at times but there are times where Embiid knows he has to step up and kind of play bully ball and I really like that about his game but I don't really see that with Carl Anthony Towns you know it seems like you don't know what you're getting out of him night in and night out um and for Anthony Edwards to have back for back back-to-back performances like this for as young as he is you know he's kind of stepped up and kind of put himself in a leadership role which I know it's such a hard thing to do to ask from someone who's so young but if he can do that at this point in his career I have nothing but high expectations moving forward for not only this team, but for him, wherever he goes. Cause you know, if he trusts himself, then his team should trust him. And I wish they'd play. It's not, they are playing the ball through him, but you know, maybe look a little less towards Rudy Gobert, look a little less towards cat. Cause I'm really not, not a fan of them anymore. As for Jokic, you know, I think he went out there and dropped what, another quiet 43 points. Like you just really don't like talk about it anymore. Like he's just, He's done it so often now that you really just kind of like accept it for what it is. Um, I truly believe this will probably be my one controversial take of the year. I truly believe they're going to change the kickball violation because of this man, because he doesn't care. Like he will just kick the ball at any given point. And I think moving forward, if you intentionally kick the ball, I think they're going to give you a personal foul or a team foul. Like they're just going to be like, well, you like didn't try to do anything else like you're trying to stop pace of play like you're slowing down the game to make up for your lack of defense like they're going to find a way to change the rules i promise you um 
but that's my only problem with this game. Because other than that, Nikola Jokic is great. He's a fantastic basketball player. Um, yeah. And then I think the only other game I left out was the Celtics, but we don't need we don't need to talk about that. That's a gentleman's sweep. They gave him a nice one game and then they can send them home with their nice playoff appearance. Yeah, no, Zach, I, you're kind of right. Like, Cat does look, like, out of place in the term, and that may be kind of, like, the odd role or situation they got thrown into where he's, like, playing alongside someone who, like, almost just wants to, like, that same exact role. So, you, it's, like, you can't – It's I, 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 I can see why, but, like, you're right. He's not, like, built to be handling the ball around, like, the top of the key and – it, yeah, it's they're they're in a weird spot, but it's kind of tough because they they're stuck with that. There's not much they can do after signing everything away to get themselves there. And we, I think we're kind of like seeing the ceiling of that team like already in year one. Like Anthony Edwards, as great as he is, he's like you. I don't think like you said. He's got some fixes in this game. He's not right now. He's not like the guy that can drag a team like that through a postseason run with multiple seven game series. I don't think he's there yet. So um, I think like already we're already we're already like this Timberwolves experiment is kind of looks to me like it's already like cooked. I don't see how they're going um, looking in the future, how they can like get over this spot. But um, especially against, like you said, against Nicole Jokic, she's great. That, that MVP conversation is so hard and annoying at times because Nicola and Embiid on the other side are so great at times. But um, yeah, I, I, looking at that series, um, I don't, I'm not sure where the, the Timberwolves can go moving from here. Right. And uh, it could be a gentleman's sweep for them tonight, but it could last one more game, but we'll see. And we have two more series to look at. Um, the Knicks uh, having a 3-1 lead over the Cavs. I did pre- predict the Knicks to win this series, but it was in seven. Seeing that them that they have a chance to end this early tomorrow night, wow. Especially from Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart. He's really showing some heart on, in Madison's Square Garden uh, with the way he's hustling uh, everywhere and on the court. And it's really benefiting the Knicks on, on the defensive end, as they kept Donovan Mitchell in check, especially in game four. So, and then the way they blew them out and shut, shut them down in game three, like the defense for the Knicks is really coming alive. And it's been, it's been fun to watch. Like, I really like scrappy teams, uh, seeing scrappy teams in the postseason. The Knicks are a scrappy team, even though they haven't been at their best shooting wise. And, and when it comes to star production from Julius Randle, who is still, recovering from an injury near the end of the season. And while there had been a little bit of antics from Randall uh, as he didn't was to speak to media after the game four win, even though the same could be said for John Moran and Dylan Brooks because they skipped media availability too. So, uh, you know, kind of expect the same criticism to be piled onto them as well. But, but yeah, the Knicks are up 3-1 on the Cavs, having a chance to win the series tomorrow night. And then we have the Warriors and Kings the only series that is tied to a piece. We, meaning we have a guaranteed game six on our hands between the two teams. Two amazingly offensive talent, uh, off, amazingly talented teams on off, uh, offensive, te- offensive-minded teams. 
So what do you guys think will go down for those two series in particular? I mean, personally, I'd love to see um, a series go seven games, especially in the first round, and even more so if it's involving the Warriors, because I would like to see them get as tired as possible, because um, God forbid if I have to watch them go on another title run, I'm going to lose my mind uh, collectively. Regardless of that, though, you know, Sacramento's kind of had just a Cinderella run this year, um, per se, but it's kind of a slap in the face called a Cinderella run, run, considering how well they've played this entire year. You know, they've been an extremely quality basketball team. Sabonis has been extremely good. De'Aaron Fox has been extremely good. Um, their head coach has stepped up amazingly this year, so I expect him to uh, get paid what he's earned thus far. You know, so that's been a really quality series. Um, as for the Knicks and Cavs series, I just feel like the Knicks are just playing better, like just straight up basketball. It's not really about set plays. It's not really about how they're looking at it from like a statistical advantage or trying to nitpick like here and there about how to beat the Cavs. They're just straight up playing basketball. And Jalen Brunson has done a great job um, at stepping up and getting the job done. Um, you know, he's been consistent night in, night out. The Cavs, I just feel like, you know, when you see a Donovan Mitchell stat line with 11 points, five assists and four rebounds, you know, that's just not a success. That's not a winning recipe per se. You know, you expect him to do more if they're going to make um, big game wins. Uh, you kind of expected that when he was on the Jazz. But the last thing I'll add about that overall is I know players skip press conferences and facing the media sometimes, but I feel like you should be allowed once per series. Like, to keep your like mental in check throughout an entire 82 game season. And then to do it again through another playoff environment where the stakes are even higher and you're even more criticized than you were before. And you have this additional pressure on yourself. Like I know it's expected of you because you get paid so much money to act and like perform like a professional, but you have your off days. Like you're never going to be always on your game. So I feel like they should at least cut some players, some slack for like sitting out like a game or two. I mean, you think back, Marshawn Lynch, like didn't want to do interviews and he was like, I'm just here. So I don't get fined. Like that was some of the greatest interview material I've ever seen in my life. And you know, it, we probably wouldn't have gotten that if we would have just been like, Oh, I'm going to skip today. But you know, I understand it. It's part of the sport. It's part of your job per se, but you know, we don't, we don't see officials stepping into a press conference out of bad calls. So I don't understand why we don't hold them to the same regard, but I digress. I'm not here to, argue the uh way things are run in the nba i'm just trying to state my opinion i completely agree that um if like players there's like game like a couple games out of the year where they just like don't want to talk to like the media they they should not like be forced but in the the dylan brooks situation i think him skipping the press conference is him just like kind of dodging accountability after you know talking reckless and then going out there and getting fried but i do in that situation, I, I think I don't like that, but I think you're completely right. Um, looking at first, I guess, like the Knicks series, I think that series has been so fun just because how much like defense, like two, two of those games, one of those games was probably, I think was like lowest scoring of what, the season or close. Um, uh, like you said, Jalen Brunson, he's been, he's been great. Um, Josh Hart has been great. And just as a team, like Zach said, they play, really good basketball, really, really sound defense. And I just don't think the Cavs can win in the garden. So eventually they're, they're half, if they're going to take that series, they'd have to take 
come back and take one in New York. And I, I just don't think um, they're able to do that. Um, and then kind of on like the other side of the country in Golden State and Sacramento, um, I I said it, last week, I said it like that series when we were talking, it was like really bad vibes for the Warriors. But I really think Sacramento messed up by not taking one of those in um, in Golden State. I, I, I don't want to, I feel, don't want to choose playoff Curry. I don't want to like take out playoff Curry. I think if he, like he can lock in and take it over that series at any point. And like you said, not to discount um, Sacramento because they've been, they've been one of the best basketball teams all year. That's why they're kind of the position they're in. Um, but I, I don't know if, 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 they can, especially if like Golden State's firing on all cylinders now. If Draymond, I guess, if he can stay on his stay on behavior, I guess, I, if that team's firing on cylinders, I just don't think the Kings can hold off for the rest of that series. But um, they, if they are built to beat them, but I, right now I'd say I'd be more safe to say, excuse me, taking the Warriors. Yeah, we'll see how the rest of the playoff picture in the NBA goes from there, especially as we wind down towards the end of the first round and move on to the semifinals as we are starting to get a good picture, especially the teams holding their leads, just get the job done and win their series and just put their opponents away. With that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe, click the bell to keep up with notifications from us, also, be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.